it's another psychological review for this one, which I'm very excited that I got to dive into professional athletes and their rehabilitation. That was what our assignment basically was this go around was to find three different professional athletes that pretty much have had either a moderate to severe injury about either five to 10 years ago and basically review it, see what happened, what occurred, some athletic perspective in their injury and the type of rehab and maybe even why strength and conditioning coaches as well as physical therapists are vital to them when they are going through this. And I tried to pick, I even asked on my social media page, basically some guidance on, hey, what what athletes would we want to research on? And it really helped because there were some some sports I didn't even consider. And the top sports that came up were one, obviously gymnastics. Another one was basketball. I did a track athlete, which I will discuss momentarily, but I could say some honorable mentions were I looked into volleyball injuries from jumper's knee. I looked into swimmer's shoulder. I even decided to look at some figure skaters, and they also had a jumper's knee that was very prevalent in their sport. But one thing I think that people forget as far as professional athletes go, they are people with elite physical abilities, you know, and we glorify people that can do elite things. We glorify CEOs. We glorify elite athletes. It's usually because they are maybe perhaps higher than the standard, higher than the average. And professional athletes gain a lot of status through their own ability, through their statistics in the sport, their wins, their characteristics they embody. And often they become relevant based on their sport. They usually are relevant based on how they play, what they do, what wins they've gotten, and so forth. And the sad part is we sometimes forget that athletes are in fact human. <laughs> they are human and they can bend and break and and get injured just like any other human can. And during this time when we had to review different athletes, it's interesting to look at if you take off their elite status as an athlete and just think of them as maybe your friend, another human, another person that you know that had a severe injury, it sort of changes how you view that, right? Uh, one athlete I will touch on later is the late Kobe Bryant. If you knew Kobe Bryant as your, you know, cuz or bro or friend next door, and they came to you and said, oh my goodness, I had an Achilles tear, there would be some sadness for them. We would feel empathetic, right? We would feel empathetic. Hey, let me carry your stuff in. What do you need my help with? But knowing that he was an LA Laker and we saw this happen on TV, our hearts, it was something different. It was more than empathy that we felt for this person. And was it because we cared about the late Kobe Bryant or was it more too involved with, oh my gosh, an elite person that is above the average can get hurt. It's a little bit of that God complex. And I think that's where professional athletes have a really hard time, quote unquote, coming back to earth. 
because if they do get injured, I mean, you have to think this is their job. So their fear of losing their position, losing their financial security, a lot of that, losing their relevance, a lot of that is very frightening. And this is why we do need competent physical therapists and strength conditioning coaches, not just to help them rehab back into the sport if they choose to, but it's also to provide them some emotional and mental support because it's more than just the injury, right? It's more than just the injury. But the first athlete that we'll touch on is the Auburn gymnast, uh, NCAA D1 Auburn gymnast, Samantha Serio. And maybe some of you remember that horrific, I mean, absolutely horrific video and still picture image of this girl dislocating her legs. I mean, she hyperextended her knees, dislocating both kneecaps simultaneously. She broke one leg and she tore multiple ligaments. And immediately, it, I mean, she was the anchor, for goodness sakes, for their team. And from a blind landing, meaning she, I believe, did a double front, maybe it was an Arabian double front or front handspring double front. And the blind landings are so hard because if you under rotate that, this literally could happen. It's not common, but it can happen. And of course, she was immediately carted off, went right into surgery. And one of the blessings, I guess we could say, is from her minimal swelling, from the minimal swelling that she had in her knees, after the surgery, she really could start rehab. Samantha really could start the rehabilitation process at the hospital because her swelling or her inflammation was so low. And she stated that her rehab, you know, was lasting about an hour each day at the beginning with a lot of time spent on her quads, her calves, her hamstrings, really just to strengthen the support around her knee. Well, so far throughout this whole discussion that I've had, we're talking about an athlete who has had a knee injury. Now let's think of Samantha the human that has had this this injury. And one thing that when she was doing a lot of her video interviews, she discussed the fear of not being able to walk down the aisle at her wedding. She had the fear of not being able to walk across the stage at her graduation. Okay, those are things that really did not hit me until I started to research her more because you think she's an athlete that got hurt, let's rehab her and she's right back to work. But we never really tapped into what was it about her as a human that made this so devastating. Of course, the pain, the trauma, the injury, all that is clear. But there was more emotional and mental pain of, will I be able to even walk down my my wedding day aisle? Will I be able to do that without help? And that was an extreme fear. And this is where medical professionals, again, like I said, the physical therapists and strength conditioning coaches, they come into play very strongly because athletes need that emotional and mental support. It's more than just a physical therapist saying they're a physical therapist. They have to help keep these athletes engaged 
keep them happy to come to rehab, to rehabilitation by creating perhaps short-term goals and really working to help them gain confidence. I mean, they become part cheerleader, part therapist, part conditioning coach. They really encompass a lot. There's a lot placed on them because they have to do their programming as well. And on one of the videos that we see when with Samantha in her rehab is that she's using a water treadmill to help alleviate a lot of the burden and, and weight on her legs as she's relearning how to use them. It, I mean, it really makes it in a less dangerous way, which for some reason, a water treadmill just blows my mind. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sure they exist. But watching her on that was really insightful because there's so many resources and tools that a physical therapist has access to that really helps Samantha gain the confidence to walk across the stage. Now she walked across the stage at graduation with one crutch under her arm and she walked down the aisle with her dad in tow with with her dad with no crutches at all. And that was something that was empowering to hear. Because remember that interesting piece to note was how she felt, how she felt as a human. One thing she she mentioned when she was in the hospital, and this part broke my heart and really helped me to, it, it did something to me. And this piece right here really did break my heart because she stated that when she, you know, came out of surgery and everything like that, and she pulled up her social media, it was just flooded with replays and reactions to her injury. I mean, her injury is horrific. And it was the constant reaction of people watching it. You know, we we get all kinds of, of more views and clicks and likes and comments and engagement from a reaction. And what that did was it really devalued her. It discounted her as not only a gymnast, but it really made her feel terrible because she had to replay and watch it over and over and over again. I mean, you have social media from all over places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything, Snapchat. There's so much that was being thrown at her based on her being now considered a gymnast that fell. And what that really did for me was to make me think a little bit broader instead of, oh, let's make fun of a fail video, even though, yes, it's always great for us to assess our mistakes and not let them identify who we are. But if it's at the pleasure of someone else in an accident that this at that at that extreme, is it worth reposting and replaying? Because remember, we stopped looking at Samantha as a human going through an ending moment in her gymnastics career, one that she obviously did not plan, okay? She clearly didn't plan for this to happen, but we as a society kept pushing that as her final moment in the sport. Instead of a moment of glory, she had to live with that moment of pain. And this is why hearing her story and knowing that she was able to walk across or walk one across the stage for graduation and walk down her aisle, down her wedding aisle was spectacular. That was, that was magnificent. It was absolutely magnificent. 
The next athlete that we all know, it would be the, and he's got to be one of my favorite athletes to research, to listen to past interviews on. He unfortunately passed away way too young, would be the late Kobe Bryant. And we're talking about his Achilles tear when he was, um, it, this was in 2013. I rewatched the play of, of Kobe tearing his Achilles. And it's very, it's, it's one of those moments where you meet your heart immediately sinks, right? Your heart immediately sinks because you think, oh my goodness, his career has gone too soon. You know, what does this mean? His career has gone way too soon, right? Before we even knew it was an Achilles tear because he's, he's clutching a, a, his leg, right? He's clutching the leg as, as his reaction. So you're not sure if it's a knee thing, if it's a shin thing, if it's an ankle thing, you, you just don't know until much later the, you know, audience or, or us as an, as individuals know that it is diagnosed as an Achilles tendon tear. And researchers, a men and colleagues in 2013 really stated what happens when you tear the Achilles. And it's when the significant force is worked through another tendon with the foot basically flexed and an extended knee. Okay. So it's, it's almost as if you think about it where your leg is completely straight, your foot is very flexed and there's a very rapid, okay. A very rapid bit of force in that one leg and that force and energy goes through another tendon which if i'm hopefully discussing it right i'm reading this from their their research and it snaps that 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 ligament right it snaps it and of course for basketball you know there's a lot of physical demands there's explosive acceleration there's quick changes in different directions all of that really increases the chance for an attendant for a tendon to rupture in that sport. And during the time of the injury, Bryant was 34 years of age, I believe. And again, researchers by Amen and others stated that one of the major risk factors for a tendon rupture, rupture excuse me, is age. As and, and that's a that's a big deal. Age is something that haunts all athletes. Right? It's something that haunts all athletes because age is something we truly have no control over what we call it father time and we try to do everything in our power at some point to just maintain to just maintain and age can't be rewounded even though in a whole nother in a whole nother episode I will discuss the power of de-aging I do think it's through some psychological techniques and resistance training but that's for another day in time, but for a professional elite athlete that's doing very intense labor throughout a period of a year, it will catch up to you. It will catch up to you. And going back to Brian, uh, going back to Brian's injury, we see, you know, within an hour, there's basically a press conference in the locker room as Kobe is literally limping to the locker room, like the man can't run, obviously, okay? And he's limping to the locker room, holding everything together. And during this time when these reporters are talking to him, all you can see is the emotion that's in his eyes. You see the uncertainty of his future. You see the pain coming across his face. You hear him talk about how his, his kids are worried about him, 
there's so much going on at that moment. And here we are having a press conference. Like the guy just ruptured his Achilles tendon. Can we give him a moment? But again, for a professional as he is, there are those thoughts of what's going to happen to my future. What is this? You know, Brian even said an Achilles tendon rupture is the kiss of death for athletes. It's the kiss of death. And there was this really cool YouTube documentary, just a little bit of what happened after that injury. The world is watching. The world is watching. What will he do next? And even Kobe said he was afraid. It was questionable. Returning was questionable. I mean, this was a surgery and an injury that would take over a year to return. And this wasn't a man that was barely getting into the pro level. He was already playing at an extremely high level of athletic basketball. Therefore, returning to that, it seemed insurmountable. And some of the really cool footage that we get during his rehab is him literally starting with picking up tiny marbles with his toes and putting them in a bucket, like literally putting them in a bowl and picking them up and putting them back in a bowl and going to where physical therapists and strength conditioning coaches are more than just programmers. I mean, take this guy who played again at such a high level and trying to get him to buy into it, even though we know Bryant knew if he wanted to return, he's a worker, right? He's a go-getter. He knew what he had to do. But let's take someone else that maybe didn't have his same mindset. That physical therapist has to help that athlete buy into the purpose of what they're doing, okay? Picking up a marble and putting it into a bucket is so fundamental, is so basic, it's so broken down that you have someone that is practicing doing a thousand shots a day to all of a sudden going all the way back to pick this up with your toe and drop it in the bucket. Of course, that could leave athletes feeling unmotivated, bored, maybe even disengaged. And Therapists, physical therapists, and strength conditioning coaches and teammates, we really have to rally not just around the athlete, but we have to rally around the human being so we can help them when they are, you know, injured or down and out. We really have to help them build up their mental resilience to know every day you're coming in here, there's a purpose. There is a purpose for you doing what you are doing. And later on, of course, in the documentary, and I'll link the documentary down below because it was really good. We see Bryant going through some more of his rehabilitation exercises with literally jumping from one leg to the other while the trainer is passing a basketball back and forth. And that was, again, where I got a good insight on the challenges that a strength conditioning and physical therapist might have because as Kobe wants to return to the court, he can't lose his skill. Remember, you if you don't use it, you lose it. Okay, that is true. That is a very true statement. And if he slacked or didn't focus on keeping up his basketball skill level while trying to rehabilitate his ankle and gaining confidence in that leg and his stability... 
he wouldn't be able to return how he did within the same year. So the physical therapist has to not only think, how do I protect the athlete, get them back to where they were, but also improve their skill. I, I mean, that's, that's so difficult. <laughs> They're doing so much more than just come in here and do these exercises. A good one, at least, is doing so much more than coming in here and, and, and telling them, run through these exercises, I'll see you maybe tomorrow or next week. And we see Bryant through the documentary doing, like I said, the passing drills from one foot to another. He's running on a treadmill for endurance. He's doing weighted toe raises. And, and it's great. You know, it's great. He mentioned in this documentary that he did a thousand shots daily, a thousand shots daily with extreme focus to help him come back ready to play. And literally within less than a year, I believe the documentary was, it said seven months post-injury, he's playing against Toronto <laughs> within the same year. That's crazy because he did something that was expected not to happen. And that is why I think he and another, very few other athletes in my Rolodex of people that I truly, truly follow in the athletic world their mindset is something that's ungodly. It, it is something that's beyond what we even think. Because researchers Sanchez and others in 2021, they stated that usually when athletes return from that surgery, that Achilles tendon surgery, their performance is less. It's inferior. It's decreased. Now, granted, their population was only NCAA athletes, so not professionals. But again, if we're looking at age factor, if we're looking at intensity of play, if, if we're looking at the length of play, if we're understanding that physical maturation, the peakness of their physical ability is coming to an end when they're in the professionals, Bryant doing what he did, again, is insurmountable. It's truly, truly insurmountable. And I think just keeping in mind when we're watching, and oh, lastly, I've completely forgot. And the last one I looked at was the amazing track star runner of Usain Bolt, who tore his hamstring during his final relay that he already mentioned that it was going to be his last race in 2017. And hamstring strains, there are two different types. There's a type one and a type two. And the sports medicine of British Columbia defines that a type one strain usually occurs from sprinting or a heavy load of the hamstring muscle. And that usually happens from sprinting, jumping, or hurtling with a large amount of force placed on that muscle. Okay. And as the man, the world's fastest man alive, I mean, this guy is, he's doing very aggressive force being pushed into the ground to propel him forward. I mean, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Therefore, if you push force down, you should get force put back out, correct? And one thing that happened to Bolt, you know, as his career was, it hit, hit its peak, right? It hit its peak with the Olympics and, of course, the famous Usain Bolt stance that we all love, love that stance, still use it today. But at some point, his career started to wane. Okay, and that can be hard for professionals watching their relevance start to diminish due to maybe a few bad performances. And then we think about it like 
okay, what is a bad performance? You know, for Usain Bolt, a bad performance is not winning. And sometimes that can be really hard to match because we know he can't be the, the world's fastest man forever. Because as, as you keep pushing your body and pushing your body and pushing your body and getting older, you're just at the point of trying to maintain, but decline is occurring. You know, you respect that. You respect the decline. And at the time of his injury, I believe he was 30. And this was in the relay that the hamstring tear occurred or hamstring strain occurred. And I didn't watch the video. I just saw more of the pictures. But you see him literally stop and fall to the ground. He cannot walk. The man cannot walk. And the most intriguing part was this. It was stated that people thought he was pretty much faking due to his character and how how out there and extravagant he is. They, I guess they thought he was faking. And so this man had to post very private information about his MRI and his injury on Twitter so he could calm the naysayers. And again, that goes back to professional athletes. Even Yes, they have injuries that occur. And we as a society sometimes stop thinking about them as humans. Okay, this guy just fell to the ground in a race. He just fell to the ground in a race and could not get across the line. His Jamaican teammates had to bring, had to help him across the finish line. He was the anchor. They had to help him get across the finish line. And this is how his career ended. And I think the main portion that we just want to remember is when we are thinking about professional athletes, let's not forget that they are human. They have injuries that occur. They have emotions that are expressed. They have mental health concerns because they are more than an athlete. Okay, think you saying you can't wipe away the internet with him on the ground. He has to consciously remember what he's grateful for as being the world's fastest man and no one taking that away from him. No one can take that away from him. But when you turn on the internet and when you turn on social media, you might be part of the reason why there's still this defeat being spread because for some reason it's just much better to let's post the reaction, right? Let's post the reaction, see what happens. Here's a funny meme. Therefore, I want to leave us with, let's just take one more moment before we feel we need to repost or reshare someone else's defeat. Because even though that defeat, that mistake, yeah, it, it will make them better. It will increase their resilience, we hope. But we just don't want to get in that mindset of that, Professional athletes are not human and they just have emotions and mental steel, okay? They still bend and they still break. If you enjoyed what you heard and you would like to reach out further, I am on both social media platforms of Facebook and Instagram. I did try TikTok for about... I gave it a good run. It was about two weeks and it's not for me. <laughs> it's just not for me. Therefore, Facebook, Instagram at Lisa L. Calhoun is where you can reach me, where you can find me. I am a person that loves thought-provoking conversation. And honestly, I would love 
feedback about the podcast. What did you think about the episode? Did you have this experience happen? Maybe something else came to your mind that you just want to talk about. Feel free, reach out, Facebook, Instagram, Lisa L. Calhoun, and let's connect.